This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we're wandering the underworld not once, not twice, but thrice, all <laughs> while watching spines 66 through 69 of the Criterion Collection, Jean Cocteau's The Orphic Trilogy. Hot damn. <laughs> hey, RJ. Mm. Yo. You're not in a room I recognize. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm coming to you live from Cowtown, Alberta, via, via? Yes. No. Yeah, via via a hotel room? Is whoa. that the, the way you say that? Whoa. So we're, you're Skyping in like a cam whore from a hotel room in another town. Yeah, a cam whore. My God. So, yeah, I am a, in a hotel, so uh, apologies in advance if uh, I ever come in choppy, but people don't really care what I say anyway, so it don't really matter. Um, actually, yeah, no, a, uh, you, you sound better than normal because you're actually really? uh, hardwired in, I think. Yeah, I got, uh, there's an ethernet in here. I thought ethernet was dead, but, uh, apparently it's made so people can podcast, uh, through hotels. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I would believe. Yeah. But yeah, I'm coming to you live from Calgary through a hotel, through the magics of technology. Hey now. Hey now, brown cow. So you're uh, you're in Calgary all by yourself in a hotel room. What what are your uh, what are your big plans for tonight? Uh, well, I'm doing this. Yeah, and that's it. I I also bought a bag a big bag of salt and vinegar <laughs> chips that I think mm-hmm. I'm gonna take down later tonight. Uh, but yeah, I'm in a hotel because I got a job. <gasps> and it's in a different city. <gasps> you know what's great about having a job? Uh, everything. You, you can take full <laughs> advantage of Calgary Backpage while you're in a hotel room by yourself. Is that some sort of like grinder-esque hookup? Well, it's just prostitutes. Um, uh, okay. Yeah, there's money to be exchanged. Uh, you can go with gorgeous, pretty, and petite blonde, 100% real independent. Are you looking this up right now? Always avail, young, naughty, ebony, sweet in all the right places. Ooh. She's 19, okay, save, fella. Save that one. Cat. Uh, what else, that one what else we got here? We got In Calls, Zoe Minx, <laughs> uh, Jordan uh, from the Maritimes, mm-hmm. uh, exotic upscale, sweet ebony. There's a lot of that oh. on the menu, my friend. I well, don't know. They know uh, me then. Yeah, I'll let you. Uh, you can figure it out on your own. You're a big. I'll boy. peruse that at yeah. my leisure mm-hmm. later. But uh, yeah, so I'm up here uh, by myself. I got a job in a different city, so I'm gonna be living in Calgary now, I guess, for the foreseeable future. Well, holy shit. What does that well? What does that mean for me and our listeners, R.J. Baylog? If anything, it might improve the quality of the show. Are, um, are you going to be living the... out of a hotel with Ethernet cables? No, I, I have I have a few things cooking up of uh, various areas to stay. Mm-hmm. But um, for the first uh, little while, first couple months at least, I will be uh, lone dogging it, raw wolf in it. I think are two expressions people use. Um, so I'll be kind of living batching. And uh, I think it might improve the show because I'll have nothing but time now to watch, do deep dives into cinema and literature and all the things that people come to our show to hear me talk about. <laughs> so more alien movies. Wow. But uh, no, actually, it, it might be good because it's a big city. So this city actually gets uh, movies that are released in the world, unlike our junk town, Lethbridge, that uh, you might get it like six months later. Mm-hmm. In the uh, 
the local theater for, for a week and at like 940 at night only. Yeah. So th- those ones aren't uh, the easiest to hit. So I don't know. This could be good. Um, it'll broaden our uh, our our net a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll do some canvassing out here. Give out some creeps merch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. It uh, could be good. But hey, maybe these people will realize the huge mistake they've made. And uh, they will. Short, they short, will. Shortly after, I'll uh, I'll be given that. Uh, that pink slip and I'll be out the door and back at home working with the cows again. Mm-hmm. And which I think everyone wants. Yeah. And your cats and like, Oh yeah, that's, that's actually the hardest part about this, but I'm going to Skype them, uh, every night, you know, so they know I'm around and I, this place, Calgary's close enough to where we live that, uh, I do plan to be home on weekends and all major holidays. So <laughs> to, to see the cats <laughs> and, yeah. and, and what's her face. And what's her face? Well, I can like call her every night. So, I mean, she, she gets it. But I mean, the cats won't understand why I'm not home, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's really sad. But uh, no, I'll be home on weekend, like almost every weekend, unless it, there's like a huge blizzard or something in the winter and I can't come home. And then, uh, I don't know, maybe eventually Andrea will come up here if she still thinks I'm cool. Mm-hmm. And then uh, all will be well and I'll be re- reunited with my, my two children. Mm-hmm. My my cat children. Yeah. So this is a this is a big thing for the show. But <laughs> big I steps. Think, big steps. I think it uh, it'll broaden our scope a little bit. So we'll, we'll be it like, could be a good thing. Yeah, we'll be like the rest of the podcasts that exist in the world, where like the two people actually don't live in the same town. Generally, uh, you know, that's not the the case. Usually, they live in completely different states. States. Yeah. Well, see, yeah, and this won't be that bad either, because when I'm home on weekends, I'm still gonna borrow movies from you that uh, I oh, won't watch. Good to know. Actually, maybe now I will watch them since I'll be alone and sad all the time. Yay! Yay! But, yeah, well, you gotta hook yourself up, get yourself a Blu-ray player and a TV. Yeah, yeah, but uh, if that's all I have to get, that's not too bad. Not Actually, too bad. my laptop plays Blu-rays Oh. because I don't have one of those uh, Mac Apple things that does, don't even have CD drives anymore. Mm-hmm. I got a real computer. Yeah. Well, what you yeah. probably should do is like lose this job right away, and then like as proven, you will just be given free televisions and stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know what what that's up what's up with that, but it's like even this job, I was offered a couple jobs that were. They were, they were like good jobs, but it, they had nothing to do with anything that I was trained for ever. Yep. And I was just like, oh, I was like, well, those are nice jobs, but I don't know why I'm the person for it. And uh, so I had to turn down a couple jobs. And then out of nowhere, a real job came up that uh, real in my sense that it actually requires my master's. So that's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Maybe it was the eclipse. Oh, everything turned around because of yeah. like a uh, solar event. Well, I imagine that when the moon blocked out the sun... Uh, it clouded the judgment of the hiring committee up here at this company. Mm. And uh, they were just like, oh, yeah, let's just pick the person at the bottom of the pack or of the uh, stack here, Mr. R.J. Balog. You mm-hmm. got the job. Mm-hmm. I really doubt I was the most qualified, but yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> somehow maybe maybe uh, maybe they picked someone else and he turned it down. Yeah. I snuck right in through the back That's like right. your back door uh, escorts or whatever that thing was called. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's fun. Great. What's, but yeah, so I think this will this will ultimately be better for the podcast. Well, uh, that's usually how all long-term uh, or long-distance relationships start and end uh, on those famous words. So 
Yeah, this is good. This will be better for us. Yeah. I don't know. This job's only we're, a... Uh, we're really going to grow as a podcast. Yeah, grow. It'll strengthen it. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know, man. This job's only... It's only like a year contract anyway. So after a year is up, I might just wind up back in Creepsville anyways. So. On, your, on your ass. On my ass. But hey, at least I'll have a year of experience. Yeah. Yeah. What's up with you? Uh, nothing. Uh, I go back to work to my my real job in like just over a week. Uh, uh, yeah, it's fine. It hasn't really like, like it's kind of just like a vague thing in the back of my mind. I'm like, oh yeah, I have to go back, but it's mm-hmm. fine. I, I've I'm it's not I'm uh, I'm not new to this. It's just the same old thing. So yeah. it's all good. Um, somehow I find that I actually have more free time when I'm working more, mm-hmm. which doesn't make any sense. But uh, here we are. Could just be that Topsy it's turvy. Topsy turvy. Different seasons. Maybe in the summer you're a hip happening dude. Yeah. No, I'm not. <laughs> well, I, I. It's probably the monotony of the uh, everyday grind of office life yeah. that uh, you uh, you find you need to escape more. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Which is more time sitting at my desk and uh, having more time to just have podcasts playing while I'm at work uh-huh. and then I don't have to listen to podcasts in my own free time and then there I you go. have more time to watch movies read all those or, fun things yeah. or you could just be a normal person and listen to podcasts while you do other things yeah well I do and, I do, and then you double down oh I do that already but my life is very rich and filled with uh-huh. the, the podcast I, I wouldn't use that word but yeah. okay okay <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, well, all right. hey RJ. Uh, so, so in the midst of uh, finding out you have a new job and uh, traveling uh, abroad and trying to find a place mm-hmm. to stay, what you been creeping on this week? Well, Jer, not a whole lot. I, I noticed uh, that. Uh, a bit. Jared's motioning for a big goose egg there, yeah. which is almost true. Oh. I watched half of the black and white version of The Mist on the weekend. Oh. So I didn't log it because I didn't actually watch the whole thing. Yeah. But uh, I had a cheesecake in the oven and I, uh, <laughs> I, I had to wait to take it out. And um, it, it was going to be done at like 1230 at night. And uh, it was 10 and I was like, oh man. So I threw on the mist and I kind of fell asleep for a while. And then I took my cheesecake out. So, so that was cool. So you really black uh, and white. semi-chubbed it. Yep. Yeah, you you got dang right. Actually, it's not that's not entirely true. I I did uh, I was able to catch a sporting event with you on the weekend. Oh yeah, <laughs> I would use sporting rather liberally, but uh, yeah, uh, sports entertainment, please. Sports entertainment event. Yeah, so uh, it was SummerSlam. Oh yeah, SummerSlam in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, four, brother. Four fucking hours. Yeah, it didn't feel like four hours. It didn't actually. It it honestly did go by fairly fast i kind of yeah yeah but it wasn't uh anything memorable or worth really mm-hmm. discussing uh unless you have any random thoughts I, i've got nothing no not not a single one no. except i except all of the things i thought that first time you took me to wrestling are yet again confirmed that a lot of those guys are secretly porn a- actors but or they want to be, but they found it a better gig where they can be muscly and flex a lot yeah. without having to have and, penetration. And they get to do their job in front of like 10,000 people live rather than tens of thousands of people on the internet, mm. on Skype, in their hotel yeah. room. That might just be a personal preference, though, which one yeah. you prefer. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, SummerSlam. Um, 
it was it was something on. Yep. It was on. It happened. It happened, and the world is uh, no different now than it was last week. Very true. Uh, yeah, so yeah. you do some heavy lifting on that creep, and I suppose I guess. Oh, hey, did, but did you watch Twin Peaks? No, no, oh. I. Uh, yeah, this is the only time that this will ever happen that uh, I couldn't watch it. Oh, but I, actually, RJ. it's on my computer, and RJ. I'm going to watch it after this. But feel free RJ. to talk at your leisure. No, there. Uh, it was another interesting episode. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So, it, it was good. It was a good one. Uh, no think, major bombs or not like last week, but uh, mm. no, it was good. Like we're, it's, it feels like everything is like set in motion and things are just falling into place rapidly now. And uh, yeah, again, there's some good stuff. Uh, the next, what is it? There's three episodes to go. Technically, it's two nights because uh, they're uh. going to be doing the last two episodes in one night on uh, the Labor Day weekend. Okay. So yeah, uh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm almost done. Yep, yeah, I, I think it's shaping up very nicely. Um, I mean, you thinking back on it already, you, there's definitely some tightening up that could happen. It actually kind of reminds me of, um, like basically you don't even really have to have like, you don't, you should have watched Twin Peaks, the original series at least once through, but Mm -hmm. you really just need to watch Twin Peaks Firewalk with me because there's like so many callbacks and references to that, Mm -hmm. um, more than anything else to keep it fresh in your mind. But there's like yeah. when I watched the uh, Twin Peaks, uh, the missing pieces, which is sort of like the weird like edit of all the footage that was cut out of the Fire Walk with Me movie. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of at times resembles the show where there's like stuff that at this point at least it feels like it's kind of hanging there and it's like kind of loose and uh, not as tight as it could be. So mm-hmm. there is something to be like said that like you could have taken probably this whole 18 hour thing and cut down quite a bit and get like right. something actually even better. And so I'm sure. kind of like looking forward to that in some ways. Mm. Like, well, like I'm, I've enjoyed what we've gotten and stuff like that, but I think that you could definitely uh, cut out like a couple hours like sure. <laughs> and like make something that's like really like fascinating and like uh, like even better than what we've already got. At this mm-hmm. point, I'm going to say that. But yeah, no, it's, it's like there's still like stuff paying off. Uh, the opening scene mm-hmm. of this episode is like fantastic. It's like totally unexpected and uh, it'll it'll make you smile, RJ. It'll make me smile? Yeah. It's just like, oh, nice. You, you, it's something like you can't hate it. And then, mm-hmm. and then yeah, but it's, it's really good. Uh, so yeah, I watched that. Uh, I'm watching that Game of mm-hmm. Thrones and uh, nobody watches Game of Thrones. <laughs> Yeah, no one except for those hackers, I guess. The hackers. Yeah. Yeah, HBO doesn't care. They they can they could release they they've been been releasing the episode a week early and people still watch it, so well, it don't matter. Apparently, one of the episodes HBO accidentally put out themselves. <laughs> yeah, so they got yeah. one step ahead of the hackers. Yeah, I guess. Well, they're again right currently threatening to put out the last episode, but you know what? I don't give a fuck. Like I'm just like mm-hmm. once a week is fine by me. Uh, I like right. the pacing of it, and somehow I don't know if a lot of people are going out of their way to like watch them because I haven't like come across any spoilers or anything like that. Like no one's like ruined mm-hmm. a single thing from. The show yet and for the most part it's like i don't care that much about game of thrones like as right. from my, on a regular basis um mm-hmm. i think that the show like it's all about the telling it does like action sequences and big like it's big battles are like the 
best I've probably seen, like definitely on television and maybe in a lot of movies. Like they're like, mm-hmm. they're, they're just like, they're really well done. Um, like when you watch like some of the action stuff and other things like legit, mm-hmm. legit movies and blah, blah, blah. Uh, they're not that good. They're not very captivating or memorable and you don't really want to go and watch them again. Whereas like with a lot of the action scenes in Game of Thrones, I've gone back and watched them at least twice. Like, mm-hmm. so, I don't know. That's its biggest strength, I think. It's just, like, how it does a, such a great job of creating these memorable action scenes on what's called, referred to as, like, you know, television budgets. And, like, this really right. clicked into place for me when I watched the, like, just, like, the last 10 minutes of the last season of Walking Dead. Uh, Chanel mm-hmm. was watching it in the room. And I just kind of, like, walked through. And I was just, like, shocked by how badly shot and paced their action scenes are. And I was hmm. like... I'm like, is this what the show's like all the time? Like, this I is think like, so. Because it's like it all builds for this big climax, and then it's just like, mm-hmm. look, this looks like crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that show's been like that for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I've only ever seen the first episode of the first season, which I thought was like kind of cool. And but then I'm like, I've read the comics. So I'm like, well, what's the mm-hmm. point of watching the show? I've like just from a time perspective, like spending. <laughs> Another like yeah. sixty hours watching this thing that I've already read. I'm like, nah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, you don't got a double dip. No. I watched the first three seasons and I got so bored of it. I was like, what a what a bad show. Well, I think the real killer with that show too is like when it, when people like when you catch up and you start going week mm-hmm. to week, that seems to be like the real like, oh, this show mm-hmm. sucks. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just a soap, right? When yep. you can uh, blow through it, but whatever. That show's <sighs> lame, anyways. Lame. All right, so for movie things I watched, I watched a Japanese kind of ghost movie called Seance from 2000, directed Mm -hmm. by uh, Kiyoshi Kurosawa. And uh, this movie, I've like I've had the DVD of this for like a, quite a while now, and I just I've always like seance Japanese uh, subtitles, and I've just been delaying <laughs> watching it forever and ever. But I bumped it up recently onto my watch pile because there's a bunch of these like horror mm-hmm. movies that I've accumulated that I'm like I want to watch these. I don't want to necessarily wait till October because I've already got like hundreds of movies that I could potentially watch that month. I'm like, well, I might as well start chopping at it. So I grabbed the stuff that kind of seemed interesting to me at the moment. And this is one of right. them, popped it in. And uh, yeah, uh, people can read my fairly glowing uh, review of it on Letterboxd. <gasps> but mm-hmm. uh, I thought this movie was like, I might have even overrated it just because it made me think so much. And like, I thought it capture mm. it, it captures the that feeling of guilt better than I've probably seen in most things. Um, okay. So I think, like, the feeling that it imbued me with was a lot better than the actual movie probably is. Like, I'd say it's, like, a three-and-a-half star out, uh, out of five kind of thing. But I mm-hmm. think I gave it four because, of, like, I will kind of remember this movie and talk it up about when I think of yeah when movies attempt to, like, capture what it feels like when you've done something bad and you're waiting for the other shoe to drop on you and like you're waiting to for something bad to happen and they kind of materialize mm-hmm. this as a ghost which is like gotcha. it sounds so obvious when you lay it out like this but um as i yep. kind of mentioned like it seems like a lot of times of ghost stories what happens is the ghosting and the haunting happen to people that just happen to move into a house that have nothing at all to do with the event that that like why the ghost is there haunting which is kind of crap like i, I yep. there's no like yep. wh- what did these people do to deserve this it's just random and now they're like now it's a spook fest so in this story mm-hmm. though the people who are being haunted they're directly being haunted by the thing by the child that they've 
allowed to die <laughs> essentially and this child okay. specter is now like haunting them in this real low-key way and uh it's like it's great and like it captures that feeling like i think everyone has ever had if you've ever done anything wrong or you're just waiting for like oh i did this oh god mm-hmm. when when is somebody going to find out and when am i going to have to hear about it and deal with this and you're trying to avoid it this movie mm-hmm. and that's how this is how it tells its ghost story which is like fantastic because it seems so obvious but it seems like nobody ever pursues it in this way it's always like mm. Oh, the people you think are being haunted, they're actually the ghosts <laughs> or some other <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. I don't know. They were dead all along. They were dead all along. Yeah. That's maybe about, we're the real yeah. monsters. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Like, so, I mean, like, because once you get beyond like a movie like The Innocence, which kind of does the thing where like people who aren't directly responsible for this haunting are kind of suffering for it, th- that's mm-hmm. like great. But that movie was also from like 1960 when this might have been like okay. But now we're, mm-hmm. we're in 20, in the 2000s, we still have these Blumhouse movies that are still doing this haunting thing of people just walking into situations. And it's their movies are about nothing other than the mm-hmm. thrill, I guess. Um, what, what about Ghost? With Patrick Swayze, that's a pretty wicked and, movie. And, and uh, Whoopi Goldberg, I understand. Fucking right. Yeah. I, Fucking I, right. I, RJ, I've never seen Ghost. Oh, fuck you. And, and, and I've never seen Ghost Dad. Oh, my God. You're such a bad person. Mm. See, this is why the podcast will end eventually, mm. is because you hurt me so. I'm just obstinate, I guess, when it comes to mm. watching uh, these early 90s ghost movies for, for, can you, for the family. Can you just make a point of it one day? Maybe one day when I'm back on a weekend, we'll, we'll watch Ghost and Ghost Dad. No, no. Oh, you're so, see, you're so stubborn, Jer. Mm-hmm. You're so dang stubborn. Well, whatever. That whatever. sounds cool. I, I'll watch it based yep. on your recommendation, yep. no, which I, is more than I can say that that you do <laughs> based on my recommendations. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. So uh, another thing I watched was a short film. Uh, in my one of these late evenings I have when I should be reading or watching something, I just start making mm-hmm. lists on Letterboxd and keep them private. Right. I compile the list of the top 100 highest average rated westerns on Letterboxd Ooh. currently. Neat. And I, I do this. I did this with horror, and I do it with westerns, just because I'm like, maybe there's some stuff out there that I don't know about that maybe I should check oh. out. And so one of the things that popped up was this movie called The Gunfighter from 2014. Hmm. I was like the gunfighter. I just watched that, and the yeah. movie was great. What the hell is this? And why does this poster like looks like that? I'm like, oh, it's a new short film. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just read the uh, description here. Uh, just another period western meta comedy short film. In the traditional classic westerns, a narrator sets up the story of a lone gunslinger who walks into a saloon. However, the people in the saloon can hear the narrator, and the narrator may just be a little bloodthirsty. So uh, it's the voice of Nick Offerman uh, hmm. narrating the events of things happening. And so, yeah, there you go. You go, oh, Nick Offerman. Sounds classy. Sounds pretty Wait, good. Wait, when did this movie come out? 2014. Okay. So, All yeah, right, continue. Everyone knows who Nick Offerman is by this point. Sure do. Uh, so, yeah, this is just like a short film, a bunch of, like, nobodies, and it sure looks like a Western, but <laughs> this sucked. This, like, was... Oh, yeah? This was bad. Uh, Go so on. It's, it's got, like, an average rating of, like, 3.6. Uh, 
I don't know, like 630 people have watched it. 132 of them have given it four stars. Oh, uh, nice. But everyone that I, everyone that I actually follow have given it two stars or less, which is only like hmm. two other people. Uh, I went right mm-hmm. in the middle of like one guy gave it a half star, one person gave it two. I gave it one and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just like unfunny, try hard, the worst kind of like sketch comedy <laughs> shit. That's like I'm like I'm I'm mad that this yep. even came to my like attention. This sucked. Mm-hmm. Like. It, I fucking hate this kind of like. Uh, I, Sounds like those uh, Neil Blomkamp shorts that I watched. Oh, just I, a different genre. Yeah, but I'm sure that his his films are like bad for like at least competent reasons. This mm-hmm. is just like unfunny, like th- uh, that's just too bad. Yeah, th- so it's stunk. Um, I also watched. Well, I spent a, a good part of my last couple days watching. Uh, in light of recent events. This five hour, five hour long, five hour long uh, BBC uh, documentary series from 1997 called The Nazis, A Warning from History. Um, (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah. So I don't know. People like with all this like alt-right white nationalists, white supremacists running around, people always talking about, you know, Donald Trump being Hitler. I was like, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's time I brush up a little bit on my... uh, my knowledge of Nazis because, you know, I don't think about Nazis a whole lot. Uh, I, I definitely remember them from social studies. And I think I remember like getting like an A on my, like whatever uh, exam it was on like Nazis and dictators and stuff like that. Cause I find that stuff interesting, but like, I don't mm-hmm. think, I don't think about it. I'm very rusty. So I was like, Hey, I'm going to check this out and just be curious. How, how does the, uh, the uh, rise of uh, Adolf Hitler back in the uh, <laughs> late 20s, early 30s match up to 2016. Um, there's some parallels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a-, a few, hey? There's there's like some parallels. There's like certain things, like uh, as mm-hmm. far as the character goes, like no one took uh, old Adolf seriously. He was kind of like, well, this guy's a joke. And mm-hmm. like in his, the that reflected in the party. There was lots of blaming Lots of scapegoating, RJ. Uh, mm-hmm. lo- lo- lots of uh, like blaming the Jews and the communists for everything. And the media, um, perhaps. Yeah, uh, I'm sure the newspapers of the time were very much uh, guilty of just making up things that Hitler said. Sad. Yep. Yeah, sad. And uh, apparently, like once he got into office as the chancellor, he like was very lazy. <laughs> he he apparently liked <laughs> to hang out at the wolf's lair up in the, on the mountain and like like he'd sleep till like two in the afternoon and wake nice. up and go find himself some lunch and yeah he did that like he didn't want to concern himself with policy too much hands on. Um mm-hmm. he surrounded himself with sycophants that just like he had them all vying for his attention and like they'd have to like come up with like the best idea that would capture his like fancy and he'd be like, Yeah, mm-hmm. that sounds great. That's the best idea <laughs> I've ever heard. It's gonna be huge. And uh, there's these like mm-hmm. hilarious photos of Hitler just sleeping, having naps. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, if only they had golf in the 30s. I'm sure Hitler mm-hmm. would have loved it. Uh, yeah, and and then uh, and then he started invading countries, and uh, and then he uh, helped to orchestrate the the greatest moment of mechanized murder of human beings ever. So I don't know. We're not there yet. <laughs> yeah, yet, yet. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so I don't know. Uh, I'm always uh, a mark for this tor- sort of stuff. These, uh, mm-hmm. these, there's like the classic, the World at War, narrated mm-hmm. by Laurence Olivier. That's more of like a grand scope uh, covering of like World War Two. Uh, mm-hmm. This particular documentary, uh, directed by his name's Lawrence Reese, um, 
he he's he kind of locates it just to to germany particular and like looking at like the, the domestic world of like germany right. at that time and all the steps that kind of brought us to how did this guy get elected in the first place mm-hmm. um probably one of the most striking things about this documentary for me was uh it's got a lot since it was like it got released in 1997 so it has like interviews from like the mid 90s with people who were still alive at that time who had lived through nazi germany and could speak to it and mm-hmm. It's really interesting. There's like a lot of people like there's like individuals that, you know, knew Hitler. They actually like worked like down the hall from him and they actually mm-hmm. knew him on a regular basis. And they basically kind of touch upon like the, the Valkyrie uh, <laughs> movie and mm-hmm. like not like the movie itself, but the actual uh, event. Tom Cruise. And just like talking about like why the one guy that's alive still uh, like he he wouldn't have been approached by the the Tom Cruises uh, to like mm-hmm. be a part of this because he had sworn an oath as a soldier. And he's like, well, the interviewer's like, well, if you had been told about this plot, what have you done? It's like, well, I would have told him like, this is horrible. This is treason. I'm going to tell mm-hmm. Hitler. And even in like, you know, 40, what is it? 50 years removed from World War II, this guy still like stands by his word of saying, no, I would have like totally ratted them out. Like, even though it's mm-hmm. like a lot of people now would be like, they'd rewrite their own history and say, oh no, I absolutely like, oh, I hated Hitler. Like people would just like conform. Like these people are like, I, I guess they're all like fairly old. So they have like yeah. nothing to lose. And if they had like, if they went to prison for anything they'd done, they've already done their time. Um, uh, mm-hmm like from a, that standpoint. So what they have nothing to lose now and so they might as well tell the truth, which is like, I don't know. It feels so refreshing now because it seems like <laughs> everyone would like, people would just lie about things like that now. Like mm-hmm. all, like all the time. Like I think of like all these, like these fucking bullshit, like movie, like, uh, electronic packages that get put out with them being mm-hmm. like asked about like working on movies and they're like, oh yeah what a great experience like like it's oh like, yeah yeah like it, it, the the one I see all the time is people are just like oh it's unlike anything I've ever been a part of mm-hmm. this is like one of the one of the funnest movies I've ever had. Yeah. had the pleasure of filming <laughs> yeah so what i'm saying is that people with like nazi sympathies have like a little mm-hmm. bit more honesty to them than fucking hollywood chills uh, <laughs> like nice. nice look at that boom uh, uh, look at you yeah he's just, just striking out here uh mm-hmm. so yeah that was a very good documentary uh if people are into nazis or just want to brush up on their history uh i'd say check yeah. it out it's like i think they're all in daily motion i actually got a, a legit copy i bought mm. and uh yeah it was good uh one last huh. thing i'll drop is that <gasps> i also um one of my other lists i made on letterboxd uh, in the last couple of days was uh trying to compile like an entire list of all horror movies made in mexico ever yeah um, i don't oh, know I, I don't know a lot why. of guillermo stuff uh, a little bit of guillermo yeah uh, but I was trying to look for like other things. Cause when you break down the Mexican horror film, like industry, it's, there's like some cool periods, particularly like mm-hmm. kind of through the sixties, uh, where there's like all the Lucha movies, where it's like mm-hmm. all these like old rent, uh, wrestlers, like, uh, Santos and blue demon. They were, they were just like in movies and they'd be like fighting. I don't know the wolf man, uh, Dracula, uh, nice. mummy mummies they just fight whoever whoever the hell came along they'd fight them. mad scientists with robots they'd they just make a movie about these and mm-hmm. like i've seen a couple of these lucha movies and they're always like fantastic like they're so much fun to watch um they look great mm-hmm. and there's just like something wonderful about like a man just wandering around the streets in a suit wearing a lucha mask 
So uh, I, I was kind of moved to like compile a big list of this. And there's like a few people who had done the same thing, but they were incomplete. So I was like, well, I'm going to go one step further. And I did this last year with like all of Japanese horror. Because one mm-hmm. of the cool things is like you can take these lists, alphabetize them, but then you can set them to be like in a, a chronological order. And it's really neat to kind of go through the posters of each decade. And you can see these shifts that happen. Um, and usually it's like all for the worst because eventually you wind up in the current era where like movie posters mm. and marketing are hideous. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then you get through like the 60s and stuff like that where everything was still painted posters and they're just fantastic. Just mm-hmm. wonderful to look at. Uh, but one movie I just randomly decided to watch. I don't even know why. Um, it had this like this title like Le Pure Why Le Major de Carnicero. I have no idea what the fuck that's how Excuse that's me? pronounced. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But <clears throat> so this mm-hmm. is like a like anthology movie that's like t- just two movies. One's like a half hour short and the second half's like an hour long. I only uh, watched this last night. And one of the downsides of a lot of this like Mexican stuff is it, there's no English option. There's no English mm-hmm. dub and there's no English subtitles. But I took a wild stab at this first one, La Puerta, which is The Door. Um, cause it sounded really awesome and I watched it and it's like really, really good. Um, so the door is a story, uh, it's from the writer of, uh, the exterminating angel, which is also in the criterion collection, a uh, movie directed mm-hmm. by Louis Benwell. It's about rich people at a dinner party. Uh, he basically has two versions of this movie he directed. There's like Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie, which is about people trying to sit down to eat, but they never can. And the exterminating angel is about people who are at a dinner party and can't leave. Hmm. So this kind of fits in between this. Uh, So this story is this bunch of people. They all show up at this, like, uh, you know, bourgeois pad in Mexico. And it's like a swinging late 60s party. Everyone's having a great time. Uh, But then there's, like, a a door in this room. And I don't get, like, I don't know if the door was always there or if they just, like, noticed that there's this door in this guy's place that maybe he just moved into. I don't know. I don't don't speak Spanish. Um, But they they, they go over to this door and they just open it up. And it's, like, a dark corridor. And, Mm -hmm. like, at the end of it is, like, a hallway that's lit. And there's nothing in it. There's no light other than this, like, back at the back of the end of the hall. But then, like, Mm -hmm. out comes this, like, giant naked ripped man in the shadows nice and he he just kind of walks out and then he walks toward the door and he just starts making steps toward it and that's it he just starts moving toward the door and people go what the fuck is that and then they close the door and they're like oh like (laughs) what was the where who's that and then who's that beefcake yeah oh yeah but i mean you never you can't see his race or anything like that he's just completely mm-hmm. in darkness and always he's this like giant mask mass coming at you walking not running just mm-hmm. doesn't make a sound just moving and then they are everyone starts discussing this and they all start gathering around the door and then they mm-hmm. open it again and in the time that it took he's like kind of disappeared again but he starts from where he left or for yeah. where he starts every time, which is around the corner. He walks mm-hmm. to like the, the light in the corridor and he starts walking towards you. And there's mm-hmm. just this like tension of like, oh, how, how close is he going to get before they, yeah. like, is he, and then they always close the door before he gets to them. And they start like mm-hmm. getting like, oh, and they close it. And then they're like, okay, close the door. Okay, this time, we'll just see what he wants. And they open the door, and he gets closer and closer and closer. And they're like, oh, Jesus Christ, he's about to come out. And, like, because <laughs> they're just like, so there's this tension there. And then uh, at one point, he gets close enough that his hand actually comes outside the doors. They close it, and his hand won't, like, break. And they start, like, attacking in his hand, and the hand won't move. Green room they, style? Um, yeah, I guess so. Not quite, though. Yeah. This was this okay. is like a, a low-budget type of deal. 
Sure. And I think they do like stab the hand and the hand like recoils uh, back in behind the door. And then everyone was like, okay, let's put a table in front of this so he doesn't come in. And then, but everyone's like, tries to go back to eating and like pretending that it's not a problem anymore and it's not there. But then there's the people who are kind of like looking and they're like, oh, I wonder, I wonder what, I wonder what we could do about this. And then a bunch mm-hmm. of the young people uh, that are there, uh, they're kind of like, oh, let's make a game of it and let's, let's just play chicken. <laughs> and then, so they go over to the door and then they open it and the, and the same thing happens. He comes out and he starts walking toward them and then they close it. And then another mm. person goes up and they open the door and like, but they're doing it with enough frequency that this, this thing, this golem, this, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it there, he's not had time to fully return back to uh, around the I corner. See. So he's just kind of like turning around to walk back. And then when the door opens, he spins around and starts walking again. So they mm-hmm. keep like doing this and then it starts turning into a game and they keep closing it and then he keeps walking, but then they close it. Then he spins around, but they do this enough. He just starts winding up spinning in place and spinning in place. And then all the rich mm-hmm. people, they laugh and they have a good chuckle <laughs> about all this. And that's kind of how it ends. And it's kind of like this, like you kept, cause you're waiting for this like mm-hmm. release of like him coming into the, whatever this is, him coming into the room and then something else happens. But Instead, you get this kind of great allegory, I guess, or metaphor of like the the rich and their relationship with uh, like the poor, with the working mm-hmm. class, and um, yeah, I, I think it's like fantastic. And I like had never heard of this, and it was just by chance that I was like, oh, this one sounds neat, and I watched it, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's like super good, like very uh, mm. Twilight Zoney, uh, some might say. Mm. Um, but yeah, great little mm. short film. How how long was it? Half hour. It's a, okay. Sounds super cool. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that I would be into. Yeah, no, it's like super. It's good. Uh, I think uh, more people should learn Spanish. I guess. <laughs> uh, mm, so there isn't subtitles available. No, nothing. But but you can watch the story and you're like you understand what's going on. Yeah, like it's uh, pretty it's basic. Um, I gotcha. But yeah, you know, it's mm. unfortunately there's no uh, way of understanding what anyone's saying. But you get the body language, you get the layer mm-hmm. of the situation based on how people act and dress, which is actually really good filmmaking too. And like right. the actual staging of this like figure walking down the corridor, it's like kind of freaky. Like it's really good. I was very excited watching it. Um, I feel like someone could just like rip this off and like be like, no one would even know that this exists. You know um, who will? Uh, Your buddy Guillermo. Guillermo, yeah. Yep. The Shape of Water or whatever the fuck it's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a master of ripping things off. Yeah. <laughs> Lately, at least. What a piece of shit. Yeah, you tell him I said so. I shall. Well, that sounds cool. Yeah. I might watch that one day. Cool. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that, so that was it for me. Like, I, I don't know. I was just playing catch up from, uh, the other weekend where my sister got married and this was, mm-hmm. and this week we had to watch three goddamn movies. Um, so that was yeah. good for my, uh, for my creeping, uh, RJ mm-hmm. got any news for us? I got some news for you, baby. Okay. Uh, follow up. I tweeted, uh, Flanagan. Mike. He liked, yeah, he liked my tweet, but he didn't say anything, yeah. but it was released today. That Gerald's game will be made available on the Netflix streaming service at the end of September. Ah, uh, there you go. After the so it's after, not, after its festival debut, but it's going to miss yeah. Labor Day. Mm-hmm. So it's uh well, it depends too. Like they they could have it set at any time. It could right. be Labor Day. It could be Fourth of July. It could be fucking whenever. So yeah. they they may have changed it in the movie. They may have left it. But anyways, I was just gonna say. It's nice. coming out, so Gerald's game, man. I know we're both gonna watch it. Well, you better watch uh, before I wake soon, then. Oh, I will. I get, will. Get caught I'll up get on there. that, on his uh, oeuvre. Yeah. 
But uh, the big news is uh, DC Comics, Warner Brothers Motion Pictures have announced that they are going to make an origin movie on one of the DC Comics characters. Mm -hmm. Quite possibly, probably the second most famous DC comic character ever, the Joker. Because no one asked for it, they're going to bring us an origin movie. From the director of Road Trip. That's right, Todd Phillips director of road trip and those hangover movies yeah and produced by mr martin scorsese apparently uh they say that it is going to be a grounded gritty noir crime film set in the 1980s and they're they're gonna get a hot young stud to play the joker not jared leto yeah he is not attached to this at all so uh the question i mean i think everyone has asked is why um, I don't think anyone wants this. I mean, if it's good, people will like it, but it probably won't be. I have no fucking idea why Martin Scorsese is involved. I assume they dumped a dump truck full of money on his front yard or something, and that's the only reason he's even taken that producer credit. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It doesn't sound great. I don't really know. I guess people will probably watch it, but who cares? Right. So that's that's the big news. That's all anyone's fucking talking about. Well, nerds, nerds. What are your thoughts and feelings on such said things? Uh, I don't know. Uh, my my policy, uh, as mm-hmm. always with superhero movies and such, is wait and see. Wait till mm-hmm. this thing actually materializes, because otherwise we're just kind of talking about vaporware, and yeah. uh, none none of, it, none of this stuff exists. Mm-hmm. Um, like movie stuff changes all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think doing a Joker movie is like not a bad idea. I think Joker is nope. like probably one of the most like popular, endearing characters in like American comics. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, we'll see. It's got potential. We'll uh, I can see. I don't know. I mean, it's, it is very weird that Martin Scorsese uh, is producing it, but whatever. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure he's, he's he produces like weird like kung fu movies too, and no one gives a crap about that. So, right. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. You know who they should get. They should get uh, Bill Skarsgård, the uh, the guy who's going to be in the It movie. When he's not in Pennywise makeup, he has a pretty striking uh, appearance. Some some would say off putting. So mm. maybe they'll get him. He's a hot young stud. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, like us. Yeah, I'm just actually looking at uh, movies that Scorsese has produced. Uh, yeah, there was that Revenge of the Green Dragons, which is like a. <laughs> like American like Hong Kong movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, no, for the most part, you know, movies like Before the Flood, you can count on me. <laughs> and his what own is... and his own movies. He's produced yeah. a lot of his own movies. So I don't know. It's it, whatever. I imagine he's as involved as a producer as Christopher Nolan has been involved as a producer. Yeah. And such that uh from what I gather, they've just told him their ideas and he's either been like, Yeah, that's good or no, nah, I don't really like that. And, like, that is the max of involvement he's had. Yeah. Like, that's what it seems like, at least. Like, just very basic, early-on story ideas. It's like, what if we did this? And he'd be like, eh, yeah, I guess. Because that's all it sounds like they do. Uh, oh, here's here's big news uh, for you there, RJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, shit is not getting real. Martin Lawrence <laughs> says Bad Boys 3 probably isn't happening. Yeah, well, we'll always have Bad Boys 2, right? With your buddy Michael Shannon. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
I don't know if anyone would be surprised. Weren't they going to make that fucking movie like 10 years ago and it never happened? So Yeah, I don't know. I, I, think, that, I, think, that, I think that Will Smith's got go-away heat at this point. Mm-hmm. He'll just team up with, uh, what's his nuts, uh, David Ayer forever now. Make Netflix movies. <laughs> yeah. About orcs. Mm. Delicious. Huh. Are, mm-hmm. are, are you going to watch that uh, Defenders TV show? Fuck no. Good. I don't care. <laughs> Great. Because I, I saw the preview and it's they just have more of those fucking hallway fights. Like, who gives a shit at this point? Yeah. It's done in every single one of those. Like, I know that's a really obvious thing to point out, but it's because it's a real thing. It's like, why is why is that there all the time? <laughs> hallway fight. All I know is uh, I think Chanel watched like the first 10 minutes of the Defender show and she's like, yeah, it's not for me. It's just like, it's like a sword fight in a sewer. <laughs> and like, I just like burst out <laughs> laughing. Ninja Turtles? And I'm just like, wow. It's like, that sounds like shit. Like it just mm-hmm. is. It's just, who gives a fuck about these shows? God damn it. But yep. I don't know. Uh, people get hyped about things and they come out and then no one talks about them ever again. It's a, it's mm. a, it's a great arc. Yeah. Great for everybody. Everyone thinks so. Yeah. Wow. Much wow. All right. Is that it? No more news? I think so. Okay. Um, I guess after the break, we're, we're talking about French surrealist movies. <laughs> we sure are. Shed, wondering what to do with a lump of wood and a piece of wire and a little pot of glue. He sawed the wood with half a heart And he glued it top to bottom He strung a wire in between He was feeling something looked at his instrument and he gave the wire a plug he heard a sound so beautiful he guessed and he said oh my god deux mondes essaient de se compénétrer le monde de la vie et le monde de la mort ils ne le peuvent pas et c'est le drame aimez-vous cet homme Aimez-vous cet homme Oui. Le drame d'Orphée. Père et disait, ce n'est pas possible. Une légende célèbre qui ne se passe à aucune époque précise et que Jean Cocteau vous montre sur nos routes, dans nos rues, dans nos maisons. Je n'ai pas qualité pour vous le défendre. Et si je vous en prie J'irai tout de même. Vous ne m'empêcherez pas. Je ne viens pas. Dans nos voitures. Parmi nos objets de tous les jours. Vous savez qui je suis Oui. Dites-le. Il a vu ce qu'il ne fallait pas voir. Il a entendu ce qu'il ne fallait pas entendre. Ça me fait comme des rats. Il a été où les hommes ne peuvent pas aller et d'où personne ne revient. 
Si la justice refuse d'intervenir, nous interviendrons. Non, non, je ne le croirai jamais. Mais vous, vous, monsieur le commissaire, dites-lui que c'est faux. Vous connaissez Orphée. <rire> Jean Cocteau, après La Belle et la Bête, vous raconte le célèbre mythe d'Orphée. Il n'y a qu'un amour qui compte. C'est le nôtre. Aventure policière de l'au-delà. Aventure de meurtre et d'amour. Où nous cachons-nous Nous n'avons plus à nous cacher. Nous serons libres. Pour toujours Serre-moi fort, plus serre-moi fort. Aventure terrible et drôle. Eurydice, vous êtes sous la table J'y suis. Où est-il Aventure où les hommes traversent les miroirs comme de l'eau et circulent dans un autre monde qui les juge et les fait passer de tribunal en tribunal. Adieu ce geste. Il ne reviendra plus. Allons, allons. Du calme. Les hommes reviennent toujours. Tonight, we're talking about the Orphic Trilogy, directed by Jean Cocteau. Uh, from the back of the box of the long out-of-print Criterion DVD set, decadent, mm-hmm. subversive, and bristling with artistic invention, the myth-born cinema of Jean Cocteau's disturbs as much as it charms. Cocteau was one of the most mm. versatile of artists in pre-war Paris. Poet, novelist, playwright, painter, celebrity, and maker of cinema. His many talents converge in a bold, dreamlike films that continue to enthrall audiences around the world. In The Blood of a Poet, Orpheus, and Testament of Orpheus, Cocteau utilizes the Orphic myth to explore the complex relationships between the artist and his creations, reality, and the imagination. So this is a move. This this set has always kind of been on my radar. Um, back when I knew of it, when it was still available, it was like really expensive for someone without a job to buy. So it was always kind of like not a priority to get. And then one day, it just went out of print. Um, mm-hmm. you, you, you can still get Orpheus on Blu-ray by itself, uh, and it's like mm-hmm. it probably looks a lot better than on that DVD set. Um, but Blood of the Poet and uh, Testament of Orpheus, they just kind of linger wherever the hell they do, probably Studio Canal or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, uh, I didn't really ever know what to expect of these movies. Uh, I guess as far as John Cartel movies, the only thing I've ever seen uh, was uh, Beauty and the Beast, which was discussed mm-hmm. in episode six. And I think we can both say that that movie is the bee's knees, really fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, going into that, I was kind of had my expectations probably pretty high. Mm-hmm. First up, Blood of the Poet from 1932, I guess. Uh, to- Here's the synopsis from Letterboxd. 
Told in four episodes, an unnamed artist is transported through a mirror into another dimension where he travels through various bizarre scenarios. Um, that's mm-hmm. that about sums it up. Uh, it does so. Yeah. Um, my only real note about Blood of the Poet, which is like only like 50 minutes long, is mm-hmm. art house experimental surrealist stuff. And then I thought about that some more, and I was like, this might even be more difficult to talk about than comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might be. Yeah, I'm gonna let you take the reins. Um, I man to lead off, man. <laughs> this this might be a short episode. <laughs> um. I che- Go on. I, I, I checked the time on Blood of the Poet mm-hmm. at around six minutes. Ah, uh, neat. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think mine was... Uh, it was around 20. Oh, It was God. around 20 minutes no. that I checked it, yeah. Uh-huh. So, this was a movie. Yes, it, it certainly was. Um, what, what can you say about this goddamn movie? Um, it's like OG inception at times yeah i i wrote down inception physics yeah so i guess that's the thing we yeah, both thought yeah. people struggling up and down uh uh hallways and corridors mm-hmm. yeah there's there's definitely that um so it, it it very much is it's a guy who's an artist yes. and he gets sucked into a weird world yep. and then he's in this dream world for a while and then it goes to other people, and you're kind of like, I don't know why the significance of these other people are, mm-hmm. like these kids. And then you get uh, people playing chess, and then at the end of it, you're like, oh, that was the people all along. And I didn't really follow along with that because yeah. I was like, maybe I didn't, maybe I just stopped paying attention. Yeah, probably. Uh, I, w- I was gonna say I didn't, I didn't think this was like bad. I didn't no. hate it. There, there was a lot of like he does. For a movie that's like so old, mm-hmm. he does a lot of cool stuff. Oh, but at the same time, that's the only thing you can say about I think all yeah. three of these movies preview. Um. Yeah, yeah, they they all have cool stuff in them, like very cool techniques and uh, yeah. interesting uh, effects, like uh, that Inception like stuff where people like move up walls, out of walls, on the roofs, in hallways. Uh, one thing that was really cool is that chain, that kid with all the bells chained up to her. Yes. And then she kind of like floats out of the scene. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he falls into the mirror, uh, it's kind of like what he did yeah. in Beauty and the Beast too. Um, and I think there are some cool ideas. Like uh, a theme he has a lot is like that art is this kind of like sentient, like almost celestial being that it's it lives like beyond the artist and something like that. So I thought that was like a cool idea, but this one, he doesn't fully explore it as much as he does in the other movies. Yeah. I, I don't think at least, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, cause yeah, it's sort of like the study. It's like the first go of it. And this was like kind of the heyday of like surrealist film in France. Like you have things like, um, like Louis Benwell's, uh, like Enchant de or something like that, which is like, just nonsense or like Lege, mm-hmm. uh, was it Lege d'Or or something like that where it, it's just imagery and it's just situations and none of it needs to make sense because it's surrealism it's just from your mm-hmm. dream and you're just doing it and exploring the images that drive you and that's what Blood of the Poet is um, but I don't know I'm not sure what it is like so one thing that uh, hit me immediately with the Cocteau stuff is mm-hmm. how much this probably influenced David Lynch yeah, who, I thought that too. Who who is who has been described as America's surrealist, and 
there's like yeah like even with like the most recent episodes like the transposed mouth on the hand and stuff like that uh and like shadowy mouth figures and stuff like that i'm like jesus this is just straight out of like the current episodes like it's like right Mm -hmm. on my it's like i've been watching this stuff and it's like a week's difference of like seeing that and then watching this and i'm like whoa that's pretty obvious like that that's there and I, i looked on like google searching it and i was looking oh a few other people like picked up on it um but then you also discover how little people are like visually uh, educated. Like they'll be like, "Yeah, the mm-hmm. art, the artwork's even the same." And I'm like, "No, the the actual like uh, Cocteau's like his line work is uh, contour drawings, and it's mm-hmm. like it's a consistent thing. Like his chalkboard drawings and the way he draws sketches and stuff like that, they all look the same. And it's just the way of like when he looks at something, he draws what he sees. Uh, David Lynch does not draw like that. <laughs> he, mm-hmm. he just draws what he sees in his head and just doodles out nonsense." Right. Um, and whatnot. Anyway, so I don't know. There's like these moments in Blood of the Poet that I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I have no desire ever to watch this again. Right. Um, and I don't know, like, if it's just, uh, like, cause at one point, like, if I was like in high school or like right out of high school watching this for the first time, I would have probably just absolutely loved it. I felt like mm-hmm. I was a lot more receptive to like surrealism. Mm-hmm. But. Nowadays, I'm kind of like, nah, but you got to, you have to draw me in still. If you're making a movie, like mm-hmm. I expect a certain amount of like something to make, make me pay attention to what you're saying. And this all, well, spoilers, uh, all three of these films kind of failed to do that, uh, or at least sustain right. my interest. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's like the neat thing with Blood of the Poets, like the scenes of like the, your, this main character looking through the doors and like mm-hmm. looking at the scenes inside. I think that's a really neat idea. Um, mm-hmm. that could be, uh, better explored, I guess, than here, which I don't think he had any interest in doing that per se. Um, he was just depicting sort of an underworld with like no no budget and just using visual gimmicks and like trying out different stuff that's like really effective. And you're like, wow, mm-hmm. I still haven't seen anything quite like that. Um, and he kept doing that for over, I guess, for the next twenty odd years till he dies uh, in mm-hmm. like ni- in 1960, I guess. Um, so I don't know. That's about all I have to say about Blood of the Poet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. No, yeah. Yeah, me too. Yep. Uh, so, you know, almost uh, 20 years later, he makes Orpheus. Mm-hmm. Uh, synopsis of that. At the Café du Poet in Paris, a fight breaks out between the poet uh, Orpheus, uh, played by Jean Marais, who we all remember as the Beast uh, mm-hmm. in Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. uh, and a group of resentful upstarts. A uh, rival poet suggest is killed, and a mysterious princess insists on taking Orpheus and the body away in her Rolls Royce. Orpheus soon finds himself in the underworld, where the princess announces that she is, in fact, death. Orpheus escapes in the car back to the land of the living, only to become obsessed with the car radio. Mm-hmm. That's like the first third of the movie, basically. Right. A lot of that. Um, so I think, th- I, I would say this is the best of the three yes. movies because um, yes. it feels the most like a movie like it, dra- mm-hmm. it, dra- it, it there's characters there's um mm-hmm. some there's a purpose to everything kind of happening whereas like one of right. the poet very much was like a short film of just like a bunch of like visual experiments and like very much like mm-hmm. an art house film this is also kind of an art house film but it's like applying those art house um aesthetics and decisions mm-hmm. to like an actual narrative Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and the difference here too, is I checked, uh, how, what time, when I checked what time it was, it was an hour and 20 minutes, I think in, 
Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's a that's a big that's a that's a up, that's a thumbs up, I guess. No, that that's pretty close to where I checked to. It was over an hour. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was it was nearing the end when I when I checked out where I was. Right. Um, yeah. And also, that, this one I might have enjoyed more because I got to actually watch it on my television with uh, a Blu-ray, and not mm-hmm. watching it on my laptop, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is always kind of a drag. Uh, first note I've got here is, uh, uh, this is a movie set in a fictional world where people give a fuck about poetry <laughs> and like the, the, yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah. the high stakes of poetry, because mm-hmm. I don't know, I consider myself a learned man, uh, with a yeah. li- li- liberal, liberal arts education. Um, yeah. and I have never cared about poetry in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the shits. Um, I don't know. That makes me uh, a Neanderthal. So be it. But so this, yeah, this, this music this movie, is poetry. No, it's music. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Continue. It's music. Uh, anywho. So it's funny. Like this idea. There's like this like entire like cafe uh, dedicated to like to poets and people standing around. It's cafe like, de poet. Yeah. What a weird world. Um, mm-hmm. What a fictional place that this all is. And like Jean Marais, like the, the, this like country's like super famous. Uh, poet who's like everyone mm-hmm. hates because he's so good and he's good looking um, mm-hmm. and then like riots break out <laughs> and police <laughs> show up to smash poet heads uh, yeah. that was good uh, and then that guy gets run down uh, and then like they pick him up <laughs> and there's like no safety at all about holding that guy's neck properly they're just like hauling him around and it's just like holy yeah. shit uh, is this what how this is why so many people died in 1950? It's like fuck, you just break your neck because no one knows how to pick you up properly. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was good. Uh, they just throw him into the back of a car. Yeah. Uh, then we get we get our first taste <clears throat> of the underworld. Uh, mm-hmm. We get the whole arc. This movie has like definitely more of the Orpheus sort of story going for it. So okay, because yeah. I guess we should mention that like you know a, a few months ago we watched Black Orpheus. Mm-hmm. Which which is uh, another iteration of the story done set in a like contemporary time uh, in mm-hmm. a in a foreign land to us, mm-hmm. um, and then here we have this like whole opening spiel about how Orpheus is set in no particular time. It could be set any time, but even though it is like very definitely like 1950s France, just with right. some some like fantastical elements that just are a part mm-hmm. of the story. Like you know, people don't actually travel through mirrors wearing gloves unless uh there's someone's not been telling me everything about this world yeah, yeah i think you're missing out on something man yeah travel through mirrors okay yeah. um so yeah I, I was thinking about that and i was kind of surprised at how like just good black orpheus really is mm-hmm. in comparison to even these adaptations uh even this one which i would say is like the best of the lot but still like not like a, an awesome movie by any means. Yeah. Um, but I'd say that the, uh, there's like better characters. There's good situations. Mm-hmm. Like there's actual conversations occurring. So there's something kind of to like focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, oh, I'm trying to think you, you can interject at any time. I like most of my notes are just about like sort of the, the, the film tricks that are used that I think are really neat. Like I think mm-hmm. the, 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 like once again, mirrors, uh, there's like tons of mirrors and we've talked about how much uh, you are a big mirror fan. Yes, um, this so, is true. Yeah. And uh, I think the, the biggest neat thing uh, in this one is the uh, rear projection. Yes. Uh, yeah. You use in the scene when uh, uh, Morpheus first goes into the underworld with the, um, mm-hmm. the chauffeur, 
Um, and like the, the chauffeurs in the foreground walking in front of a uh, rear uh, projection. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, but the, even though the characters are in the same place technically, mm-hmm. but they're just shot in a separate space. And it just gives this really otherworldly feel of like things right. being out of place. And they're having a conversation, even though one of them is a rear projection and the one mm-hmm. ca- and the character in the front has like wind blowing through his hair. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's just like, it's great scene. Like, I'm not sure where they shot that stuff, but like, it's like this, like, you know, European ruin that like always like looks amazing. We have nothing like that at all uh, in like Western Canada. Uh, yeah. Nothing resembles this. So it's always like great to see, um, you know, I guess like this is also post-war Europe. Once again, uh, we've talked about that many times uh, on the show at this point. Uh, and it just gives it this real weight of place. Um, even though it's like a fantastical movie done with like film tricks and like stages and stuff like that, a movie about, a an artist that has to like go save his wife from a jealous death. Um, mm-hmm. but it all like is still shot like on locations and everything feels like it's really in a, uh, like a real place rather than fake movie land. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I um all the technique stuff that you were talking about. I, I dig all that stuff a lot too. Um, I actually thought this movie was pretty good. Um, I really like because I really like the technique and the effects, and I, I thought the story was good too. Um, I think it hits a few walls at points where you're just like, uh, you're like, all right, come on, move it along here a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's it's not like a perfect movie or anything like that, but I did I did like watching it. I might watch it again someday. Yeah. So I think that's a a big thing um i also thought like i thought the plot and the story were actually re- pretty good um it reminded me a lot of i bet this is like neil gaiman's favorite movie <laughs> because this is very neil gaiman where it's like that fantasy romance type of story well but, he, uh, he doesn't he has his like or, the orpheus character yeah, in, well yeah. yeah i was gonna say obviously in sandman he has yeah. orpheus and eurydice and all, all that jazz but I, I was thinking that the whole time i was like man this is so neil gaiman like <laughs> this has got to be his favorite shit um but i i I like some of like the ideas that they bring up to like the death stalkers and that like kind of death is like a business things like that i was like that's kind of neat i like that and i think it does have um it's got a couple cool lines about like sleeping and dreams and like things going backwards in time and forward and like what things mean um so it's not it's not short of weighty ideas. Yeah. Sometimes they'll say a line and you'll be like, uh, where it's like the bird is a clock, but the fingers are the man. And you're just like, I don't care. <laughs> like when, when he when he like, you know, like when they do the poetry stuff, you're like, sure, whatever. But mm. um, there, there were a few things like on the dreams and sleeping that I really liked what they were talking about. Uh, there was one line I thought was really funny when the guy was like, your wife is dying. And he was like, oh, that's just a trick to get me back in the house. Yeah. And I thought, I was like, guys still do that to this day. Uh... Um, I thought that was really fun. Uh, but no, yeah, I um, I actually liked this movie. I thought it was really good. Uh, the technical aspects and the effects are wicked. Mm-hmm. When, uh, when he's being like led into the dream world, like you said, uh, and like the guide is like blowing in the wind, but he's not. And then uh, when it changes and they're kind of it's the inception type stuff again and they like yeah. fall. Um, I thought that was all super cool. Uh, I don't told I don't buy that he fa- falls in love with death mm. I, at that point. Like I know it's like it means yeah. something else. But at the same time, yeah. I was like, I don't really buy that. Um, so there, I think there's a few things that you ha- kind of have to like. You're like, all right. OK, whatever. <laughs> um, I think there's more good than there's bad. 
Right. Uh, I did. I did really like it, but uh, I, I don't know. There, there, there's a, there's enough stuff too that you're just like, what? <laughs> you're like, that doesn't need to be in here. And it's right. only this movie's what, like an hour and a half. Yep. So yeah, it's only an hour and a half, but at the same time, you're there. It probably could have been shortened a little. Well, I don't know if it could have been shortened. I just wasn't interested in some of yeah, the other. Yeah, there's something that happens. I think in that last act where you're like, oh, it's still going. Is it? Because because it hits the restart on everything too. Um, yeah, like there's like the stuff that's always effective in these in his stuff is like that mm-hmm. the the play of like just like having a person fall, but then you when you, he, he intends on playing the footage backwards, so it has this mm-hmm. weird otherworldly effect of like that isn't how people would stand up out of bed, but it looks so great, and he's done it so many he, he did it in Beauty and the Beast a couple times, All and here he, and he's doing it here, and it's just like I don't know, it always works. It's like uh, so he really loved that effect. I think he was very proud he came up with it, and he's like, yeah, it's so basic. No one's got the balls to do it the way I'm doing it. <laughs> Exactly. Um, I've got some interpretation quotes here from Wikipedia uh, from old Jean okay. Cocteau himself. Uh, in addition oh, to Cocteau's remarks quoted above, he writes further in The Art of Cinema, from uh, which was published in 1992, I guess. Uh, the three basic themes of or- Orpheus are the success of death through which a poet must pass before he becomes, uh, in that admirable line from Malarm, blah, 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 changed into himself at last by eternity, whatever that means. Uh, the theme of immortality, the person who represents Orpheus's death sacrifices herself and abolishes herself t- to make the poet immortal. <laughs> mirrors, we watch ourselves grow old in mirrors. They bring us closer to death. I I, I agree with that. Yeah. That that one that one makes that's plain that's plain speak plain, right there plain speak for plain folk like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, that's what I mean. Like in all three of these two, like you can tell that Jean Cocteau, like I like his ideas, and I think he's a smart guy, and he has these like very grand, uh, fantastical ways that he looks at things, and I think that's all really cool. Yeah. Um, and sometimes he shows it really well. And then sometimes you're kind of like, meh, whatever, man. Poetry is not that cool. Nobody thinks so. <laughs> so especially in 2017. Yeah, exactly. Making people are just making their uh, their uh, chap books with, uh, uh, with uh, lots of uh, vanity press propped yeah. up by people in their poetry. I hate that. Yeah. Anyway, enough about poetry. Uh, the third one of these movies. Testament uh-huh. of Orpheus from 1959. The judgment of the young poet by Hurtabus uh, and the princess, <laughs> the gypsies, the palace of Palace Athena, the spear oh, of the goddess which pierces the poet's heart, the temptation of the sphinx, the flight of Oedipus, and the final assumption. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, that's that's from Letterboxd. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. That's sure a description of something. Yep. Uh, so, uh, Testament of Orpheus, it it started out with some real potential. RJ, it started off like <laughs> I thought. I thought it started off very strong. Uh, there's this mm-hmm. like there's this gimmick uh, with uh, Jean Cocteau playing him uh, or he, he, himself playing the lead character. Right. Um, he's traveling through time. And he's setting up the story, uh, visiting mm-hmm. figures. Uh, yes. And continue. It, he's like, I don't know. He's like narrating his like appearances to people, uh, including one where he startles a woman where she drops a baby on his head, 
which is cl- <laughs> which is classic. It's like yeah, I, I, I think yeah. it's like yeah. So I think there's like a bit where like okay, the, the neck thing is one thing in the other movie, but dropping that baby dropping like fucking babies. right on its head, which actually pays off because it's like oh, this this guy is like pretty normal, but he's dropped on his head, so there's some things he can't do anymore, and it's like well, holy shit, uh, <laughs> that's that's weird. Uh, what a weird thing to have in your movie. Um, this movie is definitely, uh, I, I would refer to it as a raw guts production where there's like no, yeah. dis- there's no attempt to disguise that this is a movie, that this is like very like, ma- like as it is, like you can see the setting, you can see the backdrops. Um, this is the last movie, uh, that Cocteau made. He like died, like just like months later. So this is like mm-hmm. the movie that's probably closest in some ways to like the themes that he's been getting at about like kind of replacing, um, this artist and like love and like love of being destruction, uh, with death. Um, and like coming to terms with that. Uh, yes. I don't know. We get like (laughs) less of the like visual gimmickry, but we get more David Lynchy stuff. Uh, we get like characters talking backwards and you get the like red law or whatever you call black lodge speaking mannerisms which i don't know that's like that this is like what got to be one of the earliest scenes i've seen of characters talking backwards through like prolonged speeches with subtitles underneath them speaking backwards and so it's played forwards like i I can't think of anything else but i mean i i'm not going to stand by that i like who knows there could be something like ghost dad yeah ghost dad from the 90s 1993 yeah or or something well, as, yeah. sh- as shown in Testament of Orpheus, it's possible to travel back in time. Um, this, egg, exactly. Exactly. Um, I don't know. Again, this movie started off like, ooh, this could be good. This might be my favorite of the batch. Yeah. And then, holy fuck, there's the goddamn tribunal scene. <laughs> that, oh, yeah. That is like, like a half hour long. In shot, oh, yeah. in like the most boring back and forth kind of like chatty, shitty, boring way possible. <laughs> I was, oh yeah, I was like, I fast forwarded, dude. I've got to admit, oh you it. did. Yeah, is this the first time you've ever had to do that for a Criterion? Yeah, yeah, it is. Wow, I is just this at the bottom of the pile for you. you know, okay, honestly, no, it's not at the bottom of the pile. Uh, but. I was just like, I wanted to go back and watch my uh, Nazis documentaries and uh, finish I them see. before today. And I was like, yep. I don't care. There's like, mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck. Uh, I um, I understand. Yeah. So uh, I'll just chime in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I didn't like this. Yeah. Either. Uh, it's definitely like without a doubt the weakest of all of them. Um, it's a little bit not disappointing because it's like who cares but like what you're saying it's it's like it's too bad because it had a lot of potential um and then coming off of orpheus which is like the best one you're like oh man i I hope the next one's good too because this one is like a sequel like it's yeah it is it's like a meta sequel yeah um yeah and so like those ideas are cool and stuff like that it's just none of it ever really i don't think any of it like works that well like um the idea of like because there, there are other things I've seen where there's, like, guys who, like, get taken into their own things. Like, didn't Grant, doesn't Grant Morrison do that all the fucking time where he, like, pops up in his own comic books? Like, uh, Animal it's, Man? It's, yeah, it's happened a, a couple times, I guess. Yeah. So, like, like people do stuff like that. And, like, sometimes I'm on board with it and sometimes I'm not. And there's nothing, like, really bad about this. But it's, it's borderline, like, 
boring. Yeah, it's, and, it's, boring. Uh, it's boring. Irrelevant, where it's just like, yeah. it's, it's just like a vehicle for him to like use more, get more of his ideas and like sayings out there, like his poetry. Mm. But he did it so much better in the other two movies that it's just like, eh, I don't care. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And there's like, whatever. I mean, and there's like these things in it. Like there's visuals that are like, striking in themselves yeah. but as like again i don't know maybe it's just like my taste is like hardened and like i kind of yeah. expect a certain amount of uh drama to draw me into like things and i mean mm-hmm. it's it's a pretty good way of like like all my favorite i mean this is kind of like a self-fulfilling thing but like all my favorite movies kind of like follow this sort of structure but i think it's like mm-hmm. most people feel the same way because it's not like i've got like uh, particularly like complex or uh different yeah. taste from a lot of people like usually it's like oh this movie's really good for like all pretty obvious reasons it should draw you in unless there's just something wrong with you um yeah. there's this like i just don't know um one thing that's interesting with this too is like it's got like a quarter of the total views of like any of the other two movies on letterboxd oh wow so like not very many people have watched testament of orpheus and i wonder it's mm-hmm. like the people who buy the box set they like watch the one that's like 50 minutes and then they watch orpheus and they go, yeah, one of these days I'll get around to watching Testament of Orpheus. And they, and they just don't. <laughs> yeah, um, but, yeah. But it's also like the most highly rated too. Mm. Like they're, Maybe they're, that's just because not a lot of people have seen it. Maybe, but it, there's a lot of like four star like fucking people who love this. So <sighs> I don't know. I Again, this like comes back to like, I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to make excuses for this movie. Like, because I don't think it's like, it's not a terrible movie. I think it's just boring and like a way that like a lot, like some of these criterions have like kind of been just been, Oh yeah, that's just, this exists and mm-hmm. isn't like interesting. I would never talk about it. And, but um, like maybe like when you were watching like the, like a trilogy, like th- and we're, we're kind of like, we're made to watch all three movies in one go. That is also maybe like not the ideal way to be watching these movies. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I'm sure that like when he made these, I was, I, I doubt he was like, yeah, you know, this is going to be my trilogy. It's not like Lord <laughs> of the Rings. Right. It's, yeah. it's, it's like yeah. this, uh, it's like a thematic trilogy of um, like, Oh, I, I, was, I was really obsessed with the idea of Orpheus and I made three films mm-hmm. about it. And there's like, decades in between them and uh i just decided to do different things like this one is like the closest thing you would call to a sequel but that's like super misleading because it's just like uh it's not a sequel in any way it's not like what happens next in the story it's like no here's a new Mm -hmm. interpretation with like similar characters because things are always happening over and over again and it it doesn't matter if you've seen the previous one even though it opens up with like a cold open to the previous Mm -hmm. movie it's very peculiar yeah. Um, and there's like no real like attention to like the film craft in the sense that it's trying to seduce you into like the drama of these stories. Like it's very much mm-hmm. like a, it's, it's more in line with like the French new wave, like sort of like thesis as film uh, approach, yeah. uh, which I mean, I'm sh- like, I don't know, maybe that was more interesting uh, in like 1959 and for that audience at the time, but yeah. I don't know how it plays right now. Like maybe if I was like embroiled in film school and I had to write a paper, this stuff would be probably way more interesting to write about than it is to watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like, it feels very academic, uh, not like a super enjoyable movie. And I'm not above enjoying movies that are like more academic than enjoyable, but mm-hmm. I don't know, man. This this bummed me out. I checked my yeah, me uh, too. I checked my my first time ch- code on this was 33 minutes, and uh, oh, mine was 20 minutes. Yeah, 
Uh, mine yeah. was about 33. And then I, I kept checking the time and then I fast forwarded. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, cause I was yeah. just like, I, I knew there, I wasn't going to get anything out of like the rest of it. Like, I just was like, it doesn't matter. I have no, I'm not, I'm going to watch it. It'll be like, I could be watching the a wall. Like it just isn't right. going to hit me. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it sucks because, um, I think the first one, uh, like I, I liked it. I'm not going to watch it again, but I feel like someone out there is going to love that fucking shit. Yeah. So people should watch that one like at least once because it's not that long. Yeah. Uh, Orpheus is good. I, I liked Orpheus. I think people should watch it even though it has a few uh, dull points. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Testament's not very good. It's just not. It doesn't, it doesn't do it. It doesn't, yeah, but like I don't know. Did you feel the same way that I did about like it started off well? Like it seemed like potentially. Yeah, no, it, yeah, that's what I mean. Like it, that's why it's a bummer because like it's you're like oh cool. You're like this is such a. It's like what a what a cool way to like frame his movie where he's like he's now emplaced himself into this f- set of movies that are all about like traveling through worlds and like poetry. Yeah. and all that stuff but then but then it just gets really boring and you're just like you're like all right man you're you're cool but i don't need to watch your old ass just fucking walking around for two hours because mm. that it's not even two hours it's less than an hour and a half it's, but it feels it's, it's like yeah 80 minutes it's, it's like the middle it of their path feels like two hours because he's just walking around so much and you're like oh come on dude yeah so, no. Yeah, bummer. Bummer. Uh, yeah, on the whole, I guess like I was like probably disappointed. <laughs> yep, me too. By uh, well, all these bad yeah. boys. Um, yeah, again, like there was like the, I guess they could talk about some stuff I did like. Uh, the, the the David Lynch references crept up here mm-hmm. again. Like I said, the, the backwards talking stuff. Uh, painted eyelids. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. That's about it, man. <laughs> No, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I thought the second one was actually good. I like that one, yeah. and I think the first one has has elements that are pretty good. So I think that one's worth watching too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not great, but uh, yeah, the third one, eh, whatever. You yeah. you could get by without. Right. Yeah. Well, who who hates these movies, RJ? Eh, probably a few people. Yeah. Uh, Ross Boname gave, uh, I, I got one for each. Okay. Okay. Uh, nice. for blood of the poet, uh, one and a half stars and they label it criterion number 67. Mm-hmm. I've usually found that I enjoy surrealist films as I really like films that are off. And I especially like Louis Benwell's Enchaine Andalou, which was made before <laughs> the blood of a poet. But man, I could not get into this one. Some of the visual techniques were fantastic, such as the man jumping into the mirror or the hallway that he can't stand straight in. But I never felt like the images I was being shown were adding up to anything more than just technique, which is a shame because I very much enjoyed John Cocteau's next film, Beauty and the Beast. But this one, I have no shame in saying uh, in saying I just did not get at all. Hmm. And that's like one of the lowest reviews on it. And yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, John M for Orpheus, he gave that two and a half stars. I figure I owe this a review, although unfortunately I don't have the time to be as fleshed out with it as I would like to be. On paper, I should love this and I should love Cocteau. I have no problem with the mixture of fantasy and reality as my love for where Ashenthal and Angelopolis, among others, should indicate. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, butchering that language and yet 
for what it's worth, I find his films utterly unremarkable. Here, <laughs> there are a handful of neat camera tricks, which, to some, may stand out as nice artistic flourishes. And yet, not only are they few and far between, but they are so utterly unremarkable in their execution and are used as nothing more but narrative embellishments. His hmm. films do nothing challenging in form, but what's arguably worse is that their fantastical elements are hardly more impressive than those in Millet's. And frankly, I strongly prefer Millet's. <laughs> I stand by my complaint that Blood of a Poet fails in comparison to the other modernist French films in what it seeks to accomplish. However, Blood of a Poet is infinitely more impressive formally than this, which rests on such a wooden, passionless narrative. Why Cocteau is lumped in with other avant-garde names, I'll never know. I'm glad there are some who get something out of his work, but it does nothing or does next to nothing for me. Hmm. Well, doesn't really talk about this movie at all. Yeah, he's just kind of like, well, it's not like you know whatever, but it's like you know whatever. Yeah, but like you know uh, whatever, whatever, man. Do you, you know this is on Ebert's great movies list? Which one? Rod, Testament. Uh, yeah. No, Orpheus. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, Ebert likes shit like that, doesn't he? Yeah, sometimes it's random. I'm yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Like mm-hmm. I said, like there's like this, there's the shots that are really nice, like um, of Marais just standing in front of like the the mirror and like pantomiming on the mirror and stuff like that. It's really yeah. nice. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, here's a good one though too. Also for Orpheus from Man Bite Zombie. One and a half star. Occasionally, an interesting shot or effect breaks through the monotony that is what feels like an adaptation of a bad bad B-grade sci-fi movie. But hey, I seem to have an irrational prejudice against most French films I've ever seen. Uh, that sounds like a personal problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Men Bite Zombies' top four are Shaun of the Dead, Why Don't uh-huh. You Play in Hell, Gravity, and In Bruges. Gravity? Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Who gives a fuck about sure. that movie now? Whatever. Uh, and the review here for a Testament of Orpheus, uh, Kyle Garvey, the lowest review, two stars. Hmm. Uh, Cocteau's finale. I have a very bad memory for the future. Uh, oh, we didn't even talk about this. That horse costume is not fooling anyone. I knew it was a person uh, yeah. and not a horse after, like 10 seconds of careful scrutiny. I didn't oh. like that man horse. You're taking the words out of my mouth. Wild strawberries, like, <laughs> I guess, in authorship, mortality, etc. Yeah, how, like, fuck, I even wrote a note about that horseman. So there's there's uh, two yeah. there's two horsemen. There's a couple. This. Yeah, there's there's two in this. Uh, the first one is when um, Cocteau, uh, as his character, is, like, walking down the hill. Uh, and he crosses paths with a man, uh, no. in a, a black leotard and a giant horse head. Mm-hmm. That's like quite like, what the fuck? Yeah. The, 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 yeah. I only, I didn't even mention it, but I only had two notes on this movie. And one of them was guy who is llama question mark. <laughs> Cause it like, I, I could tell it was horses, but at certain times I was like, what is that supposed to be? Like a fucking llama or something? Like, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird, man. Uh yeah, and then there's like the two men horse duo. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the one I thought was a llama. When the two oh, like yeah. form the one horse. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Which, but they come up again later at the end of the movie too. Like, uh, is weird. Yeah, yeah. And then there's stuff that happens 
it seemed mm -hmm. as I oh there's stuff that happened as, as I skimmed the final yeah. act of this movie. Uh, anyway, I don't know. Uh, on the whole, I would say I'm very I'm pretty disappointed. I guess I had high hopes. Yeah. Uh, and I guess it's like this is what I get for coming to this stuff so late. Maybe I would have liked yep. more, but maybe I'd rewatch it now and be like, oh, that's not as good as I remember it being. Mm. But who knows? Uh, like, yeah, also with Testament of Orpheus, like, I think uh, of the people I follow, it's like you, me, and one other person that have ever watched uh, it. <laughs> so I'm expecting more from listeners who are going to, yeah. I guess, <laughs> jump in on it and we'll see if they feel the same way. Um, we'll, we'll see. All right. We shall see. I don't know. It'd be cool yep. if people were more into it. There are people who are really into particularly like Testament of Orpheus and think it's like one of the best cocktails they've seen. So mm. I, I don't know. I don't know. No, not by us, but maybe someone else will really dig it. Whatever. That's, that's their prerogative. <sighs> anyway, um, I think that's it. Unless you got any final words. Nope. Okay, then. Uh, after the break, uh, we're going to go break through mirrors, break on through to the other side. You should yeah. have said that. We're, yeah. Oh. yeah. 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 We, we could go form a, a llama. A, a man With llama? a horse head. Yeah. There's two of us. Yeah. Well, you got a hotel room and everything. Yeah. Get your back page, whatever that thing was. <laughs> uh, I know what you'll be doing. What's this back page Jared's talking about? Yeah, give me 10 minutes. Yeah. So RJ, does the hotel room have like a big mirror in it that you can like I don't know do stuff in front of? No, actually it doesn't. There's no Aww. maybe on the other side of the dresser. It's actually kind of small. I think this is, I think it was an old dorm that was changed into a hotel. Oh, you, sh you should get a black light and see what sort of dorm stains uh... lurk. Well, if you're going to do that, you're going to do it for every hotel, and then you're just never going to leave your fucking house again. Yeah, we well, shouldn't do it for your house either. Oh no, you'll that's like the the eclipse. Yeah. You'll be blinded by the light. Uh uh you can email us at criterion at gmail.com and I don't know, email us about like, I don't know, semen stains in your place. <laughs> uh we've got a Facebook page, we're on Instagram, we're on Letterbox, I'm Jared Duncan, he's Barnloaf. We're on SoundCloud, still going. Uh, I got mm -hmm. saved uh, for a little <laughs> while longer. Uh, I've got everything backed up, though. Not sure where it would go after it crashed or disappeared one day. And mm -hmm. Stitcher and iTunes, we need those reviews, folks. Yes, um, please. We're not asking for money. Just some support emotionally, please. Mm -hmm. Next week, spine number 70. The <gasps> Last Temptation of Christ. Speaking of Martin Scorsese. Nice. 
directed by him in 1988. It's been a while since I watched this movie. Uh, <laughs> I remember being pretty sweet, especially if you like uh, Brooklyn guys doing the whole like Middle Easterner thing. It's pretty. pretty I do like that. Pretty fantastic. Harvey Keitel is Judas. Fuck yeah. Yeah, Willem Dafoe, your boy Dafoe. Uh, I back, love it. He's back again. Yeah, the original creep. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, speaking of Scorsese, are we watching a Scorsese movie next week? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say something else, but whatever. We're, we're cool. <laughs> it can wait. Y- yes, RJ. Yes, Never, we are. I, I just saw a piece of news, but then people will be like, what, were you looking at news while you're trying to do the podcast outro? No so, no, no one gives a shit. Yeah. We, we all know you're looking at Backpage, so. No, there was some Scorsese. Because of the Scorsese news, there was more Joker news I just oh. saw. Joker watch. But whatever, people don't care. Yeah, who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, whatever. good night, folks. Peace. Uh, you don't stay up too late, RJ. You got a long day ahead of you. I'm going to take down those chips and I'll probably pass out. Beautiful. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Mm-hmm.